Thank you, Bill. And as our children go to Children's Church, we just uh, pray God's blessing upon them. You know, I was just thinking about, you know, when you come to church, it's always a, always a good goal to learn something. Isn't that true? Would you agree that's good, good to learn something? And how many knew before you came here today that we had 53 Sundays in 2017? How many knew that? All right, so you all can leave here this morning knowing that you learned something in church. Thank you so much, Bill. Um, and, and as we think about that, I was thinking as he was sharing that, but maybe we ought to add a Sunday next year so we don't miss out. So we'll, we'll just put two Sundays in the week. Well, some of you aren't too excited about that, so we, we'll just go with um, 52. Anyway, I hope you're excited about today. This is, uh, this is the last Sunday of the year, and it's kind of always a weird Sunday in a church calendar because people are kind of recovering from Christmas, and then they've got a New Year's Day, Eve, preparations, so you have all that going on, and so you always wonder what's going to happen on this Sunday, and then it's foggy, and, but anyway, we're glad that you're here, and trust as uh, we share together, uh, God really speaking in, in your heart and into your life. As we finished off the Christmas season, really what we emphasized over the last uh, couple of Sundays, and even Christmas Eve, was as we think about promises made by God, whenever God makes promises, He always what? Always keeps them. And because of that, we can have hope. And so we've uh, shared a few messages on hope, and I thought, well, we'll finish off the season uh, by looking at hope one more time. And it's been quite an interesting journey for me. I've uh, studied hope in the past, but never probably as uh, often or as uh, in details I have over the last number of weeks. And so it's been an encouraging thing for me to think about what hope is all about. And I was reading one book this past week, or actually a couple weeks ago, uh, on hope, and it was written by a man named Ray Johnston, uh, the Johnson with a T in it, and he's an author and a pastor, and he wrote a book on hope, and he was writing in the introduction of his book something that was kind of intriguing, and, and, and this is how he started his book, if I can find uh, where I put the notes about where he started his book, and he said this, he said, once in a while there, there's a book that comes along that changes dramatically how people think. And I thought, well, that's an interesting thing. And, and then he named the book, and I have to admit that I didn't read the book, though I had heard about the book. And it, the book is written by a man named Daniel Goldman, and this is the title of the book, Emotional Intelligence, Why It Can Matter More Than IQ. And, and the pr- principle of the book was simply this, is that you think about people, uh, people who are successful and who are very productive, and you, you often think, well, they, they must be the smartest person in the room. They are people with what kind of an IQ? A high IQ. And, and so they did some studies on that, and they realized that not necessarily the people who are the smartest people, who are the most educated people, are the most successful people. So he, he did a study on that and wrote a book that became fairly popular. Uh, and, and it was the whole idea is that as you think about skills or development that you ought to pursue, you ought to pursue not only building your mind, but you better not only build your IQ, if, if that's possible, and there are ways you could possibly uh, build into your ability to discern and acquire information, uh, but you ought to not only work on your IQ, but your EQ. And the EQ is your emotional quotient. And the idea there was that if you're, if you're going to be productive, you not only know, need to know what to do, but you better be able to to, to play well in the, in the uh, sandbox. You better be able to get along with people. And as you look at most successful people, not only are fairly sharp, but also they, they do pretty well with people because if you can't get along with people, no one will want to do anything with you. Nod your head like you're still listening to me, all right? And so he, he said, look, you need to have a good IQ, or that's a good thing to pursue, your mind, developing your mind. That's why we encourage people to go to school. And then you ought to work on relationship skills. That's your EQ, your emotional ability to, to relate with others around you. 
But then he submitted this. Not only do you need to have a, a high or pursue a, a good IQ and an EQ, but an HQ. And, and the HQ was the hope quotient. And, and really when you think about it fundamentally, as you think about how essential that is, it does relate to life, doesn't it? Because you can be pretty sharp and you could be pretty good with people, but if the next day you don't feel like getting out of bed, how well are you going to do that day? And really, whether it's the principle of the three, which I share with you, uh, I don't know what day I shared with that with you, but if you think about things that, that people can function with or without, you can go about maybe uh, three weeks without food, about three days without water, about three minutes without air. Some of you can hold your breath a little bit longer than that, but only about three seconds without hope. And really, what is hope? Hope is facing whatever is facing you that next day and believing that you can get through it, right? And maybe not only get through it, but, but whatever, whatever you're going to go through, it's something that can then cause you to be, be excited about the adventure, whether it's a challenge that may be beyond what your normal challenge might be, or, or maybe it's recovering from what has happened to you just recently. But if you don't have any hope that whatever is in your future it's going to be better than what is now in your past and in your present. You'll just stop. And so the scripture really emphasizes that, that hope is, is really not only a good thing to have, but it's essential. And hope is more than how we usually define hope is, is wishful thinking, uh, being positive. It's not simply a feeling because our feelings will go up and down. You can still have hope even though you're not feeling you know, really good today. It's not simply a good thing. It's an essential thing. And so I thought as we close 2017, as we look into 2018, it'd be good to look at hope one more time. That is, as we go into that season, we want to be people who are filled with hope. And just like in the, in the Trinity, you have the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and sometimes one, uh, one of the, the three persons of the Trinity gets kind of left out, doesn't get quite as much pub or publicity as the other, that's the Holy Spirit. And yet the Holy Spirit is essential in living out the Christian life. As we think about the trilogy of, of qualities or attributes that God wants us to have, and if you've come this morning and you're, uh, you're still on that journey, you haven't made that decision yet to step over the line of faith, I, I want you to understand that faith is essential. It, it all begins there, and as we think about what God wants to produce in your life, it's He wants to produce love, knowing His love, and then loving others, but that won't work unless you have hope. And one of the more famous chapters in the Bible, he concludes it, well, now by three, Faith, hope, and love, and often that middle one gets left out. We don't talk enough about living with hope. And so we're going to try to do that this morning, and we're going to look at some things that are fairly simple, but, but are powerful for us to kind of cement our lives on. And usually it's the, it's the fundamental simple things that we leave out when our life gets messed up. Would you agree with that? You know, all you have to do is eat poorly for an extended period of time, and I've been... I've been um, recovering from a sugar fix this Christmas. Anybody ha have that, you know? Everybody gives me all these great things to eat, and I, I eat them, you know? I, you, you shouldn't waste good food, right? So, I, you know, I'm trying to think, of, well, I, I, <laughs> I'm going to have to somehow get off the sugar fix. And, and that's not a very profound thing, but, you know, you, you think if you don't eat well, you're not going to live well, right? And, and the same thing, if, if you don't work on caring about people and, and not being self-centered and, and you don't play very well in the sandbox, you're, you're not going to live very well either. So you need to, you need to learn to care about people and and relate with them and the same thing if you go through life with no confidence that God is in control uh, we live in a world that's out of control and I was 
with Hank yesterday. I mean, look what's happening in Iran right now. And some of that looks like it's a good thing. But they are revolting against their government. Things can look so powerful and have so much sustainability, and then you realize they can topple in a moment, right? And, and so we've got to believe in the midst of things getting out of control or we're wondering why it's happening, we've got to trust that God is in control. But in the midst of, of faith and love, there, there has to be that hope that, that our life is settled in what comes next. And as we shared a little bit on Christmas Eve, it, you know, hope is, is what God wants us to experience now and for today and then for tomorrow and then the day after tomorrow. But what settles us. And, and what ought to mark us as God's people is that we do have faith and we do have love, but we also have hope. And no matter what we are going through, no matter what we're facing, no matter whether we are overly challenged or we're simply apathetic, and sometimes that's where we can be, right? We, there's nothing bad happening. We're just not, you know, we're not plugged in. We're not, we're not ready to roll because, it, you know, what's, you know, I'm not excited about anything. And so hope is not simply a good thing, but it's an essential thing. Well, let's, uh, let's kind of let's race through some things this morning. Um, usually I take very slow time when I go through things, but we'll, we'll kind of pick up the pace a little bit. You know, God's people are excited about the future because we are filled with hope. And when we enter in 2018, wouldn't that be a great thing that everything in our lives are marked with we're excited about what's going to come next? It's going to be awesome, but it might not be easy. And for some of us, it's going to be less easy than others, and it's going to be a bigger challenge. But, but we can believe because God is in control. It's, it's going to be awesome, though not easy. And hope is what you experience now and will fully experience in the future with certainty. It was interesting. I was reading or listening to someone recently, and they described biblical hope as this. It's a fact not yet realized or experienced. Now, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, but I know one who does, and who is that? That's God. And, and I, I know that no matter what I'm going to experience, though it might not be easy, it's going to be used for good, because God causes all things to work together for what? For good. To those who know God and are called according to His purpose. And so... So I'm filled with hope, when, though I have, I'm also filled with questions. And, and I, I can live with a sense of expectancy if I really believe that, that God is the God of all hope. And let me just put a plug in for this, this month's memory verse. It's, it's, it's a great passage. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. And if you stop right there, you say, well, what, God going to give me a test? And if I don't read it, I'm not going to be able to pass the test? Am I, I going to get on a, a trivia show and someone's going to ask me a Bible question and I'm going to miss the answer? You know, that's one of my greatest fears. Is I, somehow I get one of those things and here I'm supposed to know everything and I get the question from the Bible and I couldn't answer the question. Is that, that, but that's not the point. He goes on and says, for whatever was written earlier, was written for our instruction, that through, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures we might have what hope that's a four-letter word that you want to have part of your vocabulary and the scripture has given us that we might be filled with people who who have an expectant spirit about what is going to come next no matter what it might be 
and it will settle our today. It will give us prepared for tomorrow and even more so for what is going to happen today, the day after tomorrow because God is in control. Well, what should we remember about hope? And so I got a few things, and the first three really are saying the same thing in the same way. I'm saying the same thing, but in slightly different ways. Because I want us to be anchored, again, with the the simple, powerful truth about hope. And so let's let's look at it this morning. Where is true hope found? It's only found in where you would expect it to find, if you've been in a place like this before or know about places like that. It's found in Christ. It's, It's found in a person. In Colossians 1.27, it says this, To whom God called, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And I'll, I'll spare the, 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 the time to give you the whole context of this. He's talking about people who didn't know anything about God. And then he said it was a mystery to people what God is doing. And sometimes we are there as well. He said, here was the mystery. Here's something that had to be revealed. What is that? That it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, now glory is, is that something that, that God possesses. And interesting, he not, not only does he possess it, he wants us to see it. And not only does he want us to see it, he wants us to experience it and be part of it. And, and where is that most ultimately found? It's found in a person. What is it? It's Christ in you. The hope. And again, we're not talking about wishful thinking. We're not talking about a, 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 a possibility. But for those who have Christ in them, what we have to expect in the future is glorious. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this in because I'll probably forget to throw it in later. But I, I was looking at... Uh, I don't know why, you know, sometimes I just get in these patterns, but I was looking in the Internet again as far as things that, that Google does, you know, and, and, and so they, they did a search on Google. What was the most searched out how-to things in Google in, in 2017? You're all desperately wanting to, to know what that is, right? Okay, well, I'll just give you the top three. The top three was, um, one of them was how to make solar eclipse glasses, and the other one was how to watch the solar eclipse. Now, for some of us who, who, who uh, um, were, were so earthly minded, we're no heavenly good, you know, I, I, the solar eclipse did not grab me like it did Rich Meyerski. Rich Meyerski was just like, and, and, and the reason is because I know very little bit about the stars, and, and Rich knows a lot about the stars, you know. And, and so he, he was just fascinated about it. In fact, he, you know, he knew so much about it, he wouldn't have to read what I'm going to read here. What, what is a solar eclipse? Let me just read it to you. A, a total solar eclipse occurs when the new moon comes between the sun and the earth and casts the darkest part of its shadow, and I'm going to give you a new word, the umbra. Anybody know what the umbra is? Other than rich? Okay. Three hands came up. All right. I'm glad, I'm glad all of your hands came up because I had no idea what the umbra was. Okay. Uh, on earth, a, a full solar eclipse known as totality is almost as dark as night. And so then I did look up what an umbra was or is. An umbra is the fully shaded inner region of a shadow cast by an opaque object, especially, especially the area on earth experiencing the total phase of eclipse. That will be on the test. Do you want me to say it one more time? Okay. Now, the, the, the reason I share this is that, you know, 
what Rich experienced and all those who really could appreciate it, and, and, and I appreciate it a little bit compared to his appreciation, is that it was just glorious. I mean, you, you, you got to talk to Rich about it. He just goes, he goes into another level when he talks about the eclipse and being able to see it and, and anticipating the next one has come. And it just, it just brings so much joy to his life as he sees the wonder of creation and how powerful and, and amazing it is. And, and, and that's what God wants you to, to have a sense of, as whatever ter- gets you turned on and just living out the life as God has given us here. That's the hope of glory and magnify it when we see the creator of all this glory we have here. Does that make sense? And, and so as we think about living with hope, it's only to get so, so much better in the future. And, and part of the reason it was so much better for Rich is, you know, he went to a spot that was so much better to see it at. He got closer to experiencing it, you know, as much firsthand as you could, and, and that's where we will be. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, in Hebrews chapter, 11, verse three, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says this about Jesus, that he is the exact representation of, of God in all of his glory. I really have a wrong reference in your outline this morning. Hebrews, not just uh, 1.3, but Hebrews 11.1, 1, where it says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. And see, hope is, is, is defined as something that you can have convictions about. Hebrews 11.8 kind of speaks about someone who actually lived by hope, confidence that God had, had given him a direction to go to another land, even though he knew nothing about it, what was going to be there when he got there, and, and yet he trusted God that God had his future under his control. So what do we need to remember about hope? It's, it's found in a person. It's found in Christ. And so that, that's why a church needs to be all about Christ because that's, that's where our hope is. That's, that's what it's all about. It's not, it's not about just doing religious things or ritualistic things. It's, it's about knowing a person. And we desperately want you to know him and know him well. Secondly, there is really only one hope. That hope is found in Christ. And there aren't any other real true hopes. In case you don't think the Bible speaks clear, look at Ephesians 4.4. 4. There is one body and one spirit. Thinking about God forming the body of Christ, the church of Christ, just as also you were called in, how many hopes? One hope of his calling. So as we think about it, and there are, all, there are alternatives out there that talk about, you know, here, here's where you can find your purpose in life, but the Bible describes, look at there's only one true hope. And like I said, the first three points really are saying the same thing in just three different ways. Look at, look at the next point. And let me just, just state it very clearly. Some people have no hope because they don't have the one hope. They haven't found it in Christ. They have some temporal experiences in life that they enjoy, but they don't have a conviction that everything that's going to be in the future is going to be so much better than it's going to be right now. Ephesians 2, 12, 13 says this. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Kind of the same idea in Colossians. There were those who, who only could hear about God but never knew God. Strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now Christ in you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
There were people on this planet, there are still people on this planet. They, they don't have the one hope because they don't have the one source of hope, which is Christ. And because of that, we have to describe them as people of, of no hope. And, and there are many people walking through life and they don't realize what they don't have. It's, pr- it's pretty hard <laughs> not, not to know what you don't have unless you know what you don't have, right? You only know what you don't know. And if you don't know what you don't know, then you, you have to have someone tell you what you don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> and so sometimes w- w- we, have to, we have to live the, cr- the life and share the life and so people can see what they're missing. Not because we're any better than anybody else, but there's only hope found in Christ. The Bible's pretty plain about hope. There's only one hope. Some people are without that hope, and that hope is found in Christ. But I, I want to describe some things that we need to be actively involved in. Oh, and, oh by the way, I told you I'd give you, I'd tell you the three things around the, the, the biggest, uh, the most how-to Google searches. And I told you one was how to make the glasses. The other thing was how to watch the eclipse the best way. The, the other one was how to make slime. So I don't know if that's helpful for you, but you, you can take that home with something you'll learn in church today. You know? In fact, it was number one. The number one thing that was searched for in 2017 is how to make slime. We have a very intelligent uh, population here. Okay, fourth, fourth point this morning. You can miss knowing the depths of what God's hope brings. Now, now here now we're, na- we're taking the next step. Because in many ways, sometimes people say in church settings, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You, you, most of you have already heard this. You know, Christ is our hope. There's only one hope. Some people are without hope. Okay, check that off. I know that. But the Christian life is not static. And if we're not, if we're not moving ahead, we're probably, we're probably going backwards, right? We're losing ground. And so Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 118. And the whole idea here is you can miss knowing the depths of what God brings to you in, in his hope. Ephesians 1, he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. So he uses a physical illustration to describe a spiritual point. He said, look at, I, I, I know you understand physical sight. You know, you've got to have your eyes open if you're going to see things. Remember playing with little kids and, and you say, okay, we're going to hide from each other. I, I can't see. Oh, oh, that was pretty strong. You know, you, you, put, you, put eyes, you put your hands over your eyes and you say, I can't see you, right? Well, all you have to do is take your hands apart. You can see. And he says, well, I, I'm praying that your, the eyes of your heart might be open, which implies that sometimes our, the eyes of our heart is not open. It's not enlightened. And what is it I want you to see? Because sometimes we have our eyes open when we can't see. I, I, have, I have that male disease, you know. I'm looking for something in the refrigerator, and it's right in front of me, and I can't what? I can't see it. Alice, where is it? You know, and she says, it's right there. Well, where? It's on the third shelf to the right, right next to the, and, and I miss it. Because I, I have the physical ability to see it, but, you know, I'm, whatever it is, I got something blocking my ability to see it. And I'm not sure what that is physically but i know what it is spiritually it's it's sin or it's just being distracted i I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and and the word know there is not just intellectual knowledge it's experiential knowledge where you experience what you know 
if you ever, t- t- you know, been in a conversation with someone and they're telling you how to do something, so I, I know how to do that, I know how to do it, well, just do it right now. Well, maybe, may, could you go over that one more time? <laughs> Have you ever had that? You know, you, you tell people you know how to do it, and then, but if you actually had to do it, you, you really can't do it. And so he's not talking about maybe hearing about it. He says, I want you to experience it. I want you to know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So now he says, now this is, this is the measured amount of saying, well, how much do we know the depths of what God has given us? Do you know how rich this is? Do you know how much we're going to experience in the life to come? And, and how, how God gives a down payment of that now so we can experience the confidence of going through life because, you know, there, our, our net worth is, is settled. We, we got all kinds of net worth because we are connected to the one who, who owns it all. And then he says this, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? Yeah, yeah we, could, we could land there for a moment. Because of God's hope, which is his, his, his statement that I... I make promises and I keep them, and so that I will be faithful for you today and then tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. I will give you the power to live through or do whatever I want you to do because that's the confident expectation that I'm with you today, tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow. I just remember what that other cross-reference was. (laughs) As we think about the constancy of of, of God in our lives. Not only does he make his promises and he keeps them, is the Bible describes Jesus this way. He's the same today, yesterday, and what? Forever. He does not change. That's our hope. Because, but God will always be faithful to who he is. But I digress. All right, let's move on. So as we think about knowing the depths of the hope that we have is experience the riches we have with him, but also the power to live it out. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. How powerful he is. He has the power to conquer death. Now, I I threw a few cross-references here that I did not write out in the outline this morning, but it really does speak to us to realize, as we think about the practical application of knowing the depths of the richness, the richness that's found and the hope we have in Christ, is that will cause us to look at life from his perspective. In Romans 12.1, it says this. It says, I, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a what kind of sacrifice? A living sacrifice. See, the thing that we always have to always have to confront is sometimes we just we we, we want to give up, don't we? We want to stop. We want to just we want to have a pity party. We 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 want to we just get in, and 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 we say, God, I'll I'll be a martyr for you today. You know? No, no, no. I, I, you know, some people are called called to be martyrs, but really, what God has called to be is to be a an ongoing sacrifice for Him, to live through it. And I'm amazed how God puts more things on certain people's plates than others. But whatever it is, he wants you to live through it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, he says this, I want you to understand that, that, that and Paul, who went through everything we could experience and amplified in the midst of, you know, 
the, the physical suffering of following Christ. He said, this is light affliction. This is, this is something simple compared to the glory that I'm experiencing in heaven. So I'm going to live it through. Then I actually put the whole passage, Philippians 1, 18 through 26. But, but Paul, being in prison and experiencing not only the, the suffering of being in prison, but also the, the discouragement of other people around him, kind of uh, putting him down when he was in prison. He said, you know, for me to live is Christ, but actually to die is what? Is gain. But God wants me to stay on living for him. And so whatever we're going through, we, we need to realize that God wants us to, because of the depths of his richness that's found in the hope of Christ, is, is to live for him. I'm, I'm going to throw this in now. I, you know, on, on Christmas Eve, we, we asked people to put down things. What, what causes you to lose hope? And the answers were, we're so honest and transparent. And I would say this, they're all good reasons to lose hope. If there, isn't, if there isn't a certainty that God is always with us no matter what we're going through. What causes you to lose hope? Failing to live as God wants me to. When I don't see positive things happening in my life. Discouraging situations in other people's lives. Just being too busy. Fear of failure. My inadequacies when I fall short. When I get frustrated. A, a couple uh, young people put this. Uh, if someone says something mean to me, then I lose my hope. Acting against the lessons that we've been taught of, about love and hope and God's goodness. My failures. When I take my eyes off the Lord and what he promises. When my objections are not object, objectives and goals. Uh, you know, New Year's is a, is a great time where people make New Year's, what? Resolutions. The, one study I read, they said that out of the resolutions that people make, 92% of them never get accomplished. Maybe 8%, and they thought that's rather high. So if, if you're... If, you're, uh, if your uh, life of hope is dependent upon meeting every new goal, new objective, or New Year's resolutions, you have a 92% chance of failure. Fear of health problems. People mad at me. Not being able to pay bills. In fact, the most, most and I'm, I'm not going to read all of them, but finances were just so high on everybody's list. And you can see why that would just cause you to not want to move further because you, you're not able to meet your own needs or the needs of your family or you're, you're wondering not only how you're going to deal with today, but tomorrow seems even worse than today and then the day after tomorrow seems even worse than that. And, and, and God is saying, look, you've got to trust me. You've got to trust me. What caused you to lose hope? How about this one? This sadness. Trials and adversity. <laughs> this was a great one. You know what caused me to lose hope? Just me. Just me. I rely too much on my own strength. Circumstances. Self-condemnation. That'll do it every time. When I pray for someone else's situations to get better and it doesn't. Fear of being alone. I think Mother Teresa, who worked with the, the most physically challenged people in the world, she said the greatest 
pain was loneliness. My own shortcomings, failures in my life. There are a lot of good reasons to lose hope. And that's why hope is really highlighted in Scripture a lot more than we sometimes see it. And that's why in Romans 15.4, he said, look, I want you to understand, one of the primary reasons the Bible is written. For what was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of Scriptures, you might have what? Hope. So part of the challenge is we end 2017, going into 2018, is, is to pursue hope and pursue the depths of what that means in our daily experience. Fifthly, not only is hope only found in Christ, there's only one hope. Some people live without hope. There are depths to the riches of hope. Number five, our hope is what we will see and share in in relationship to God's glory. We've already touched on that a little bit, but let me just read a couple things that state that clearly. In John 17, 24, Father, I desire, and this is Jesus praying uh, to the Father. This is actually the Lord's Prayer in John 17. We have the, really the disciples' prayer that Jesus taught in Matthew 6 as well as Luke 11. But this is the Lord praying, and this is His prayer. And what did He pray about? Father, I desire that they also, that they was His disciples then and the ones that were to come, which would be us, whom You have given Me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my, what? Glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. Now, as awesome as that solar eclipse was for many of us, and even as awesome as it was for Rich Meyerski, okay, there's a, <laughs> there's a greater glory to see. And that's when we, we're in the presence of God who, who, will, who will make all things new and just... So amazing. That's what glory is, the, the amazingness of God in his, in his handiwork. And we're, we're going to see that. I mean, you don't want to miss that. You know, and in fact, he prayed that people would not miss it, that they would see it. And, and so that's the idea is that as we think about our hope, we get to see that which we don't want to miss. And, you know, some people, they just long to be in New York to see the, what, what, what is it, the falls? The ball, the New Year's ball fall. They want, they, sometime in their life they want to see that New Year's ball fall because, I mean, I mean that's, that's just one of those eighth wonders of the world or whatever it might be. All right? you, know, it's, you don't want to miss that. But let me, you don't want to miss this. You want to miss seeing the glory of God. And, and isn't it awesome that we can, we can put a reservation in there and make sure we're, we're going to see it. But what goes on here, and actually in Romans 8.30 says this, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And, and those whom he called, he also justified. So he's talking about people who, who've come to faith in Christ. And he says this, And those whom he justified, which means declared righteous, forgiven by God's work on the cross, he also, what? Glorified. Now, I don't, I don't know how to describe this. Okay? You know, I can describe a, a lot of my shortcomings, if, if you've got time. I can, I can share with you a lot of my flaws, my failures, my failings, the things that, that I don't measure up with. Um, and, I, you know, I can say, well, you know, in many ways, I don't know why God would want me to go to heaven to see His glory. 
But what's said here is not only am I going to see his glory, I'm going to share in his glory. This, this body that, that has limitations, I'm going to get a new body, and, and it's going to be a glorified body. So in some ways, not only to see how glorious God is, he's going to make me glorious. He's going to make you glorious. There's going to be a, a new, you know, if we're 1.0, there's going to be a 2.0, or whatever way you want to describe it. It's going to be so much better than what we are right now. So hope is, hope is pretty awesome, isn't it? Because we're going to see the glory of God, and we're going to participate and partake in it. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, it really has that idea. It says, you know, when we fix our hope on the one who is to come, we'll become like him. And we will see him in his glory, and it will purify, our, and it'll purify us even now. Because this life is preparation for the life to come. And as we live for him, we'll become more like him, we'll experience his glory now, and we'll experience his glory even more so in the day to come. And then finally, not, not only is hope found in a person, and it's, it's found in Christ, there is only one hope. Some people are living without any hope, and if that be your case this morning, I hope you come to that place where you receive that hope that's found in Christ. There is a challenge for us to, to experience the depths of the riches of God's hope that's found in Christ. We're going to see His glory in the future. We're going to partake and share in His glory. And then finally, true hope never disappoints, but our challenge is to pursue hope. I didn't write out the reference, but in Romans 5.5 5 it, says, it says very simply, hope does not disappoint. Now, there are a lot of things in life that are disappointing, right? And I read a bunch of them already earlier in the service. But when you are, a ho- when you are filled with hope at any moment in time, you don't say, oh, I wish I wasn't that hopeful. Anybody ever say that? I mean, I wish I was, I ho- wish I was just discouraged right now. I just, I just wish I was just down. I just, I just wish that I, I couldn't look in the future and see anything positive coming. When you're filled with hope, it never disappoints. And, and it goes on in, in Romans 5, 5. It says, uh, because the love of God has been poured out in your hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit thing. And so in many ways, hope is a gift from God. But as we think about that being the case, it's not disappointing. It it's never disappoints. It's something that needs to be pursued. And how do you pursue it? And I share with you in the beginning, it, it's the simplest things that that we do or don't do that will either cause our life to be filled with that which God wants to be filled with so our, our life thrives rather than dies. And it's, it's getting to know God better. First, getting to know Him, but secondly, getting to know Him better. And, and that ought to be our lifelong pursuit. And, and, and what, what's so awesome about this is you know, it doesn't matter what you do for a living or what, what stage of life you're in, We can all do this. We can all pursue him. And it's not what kind of score you're going to make on a Bible test, but are you pursuing God in Scripture? That's that's what Romans 15.4 tells us. For for whatever was written in earlier times, 
And for us, all those things have been written in earlier times. For that, that was primarily the Old Testament. Now it's the Old Testament and the New Testament. For whatever is written in early times is written for our instruction. To, to help us learn things we need to learn or to relearn things we need to learn. And, and what does that do? Through that, the perseverance and the encouragement of Scripture might give us hope. A settled conviction of, of the future being in God's hands. Something we experience now and today and then tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. Because God's there. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the question for, for us is, in any, in any, on any day and on any period of time in our life, are, are we hopeful? And, and I want to remind you, it, it's not primarily a feeling because your emotions will go a variety of different ways because of what you're going through. You know, Hank, Hank was at my house helping me with some things, and he hit his... I, I have to admit, there was, there was part of me that's kind of, I, I felt kind of good about it because he hit his hammer, he hit his thumb with his hammer a couple times. I'm thinking, that, that looks like how I, what I do when I use my hammer. You know, he was doing great things there. But, you know, when you hit your, when you hit your thumb with a hammer, it's going to affect your, your emotions. Would you agree? You're not going to feel really good at that moment. But that doesn't mean your hope leaves, right? And so you're going to have some things that will challenge you to your core, but in the midst of that, you can still be filled with the confidence that God is with you wherever you go. And that he's there. He's got your now and your future in his hands. But we have to pursue it. Because these things that we read even this morning, can rob us of our hope. Any one of those things on the list can rob me of my hope. And then I have to decide, do I turn to him or I turn away from him? Does that make sense? And so we're going to close in a word of prayer this morning, but, but I, want, I do want to speak to any of you here that, that maybe you're still on the outside looking in. You, you haven't experienced the hope that's found in Christ. You've got to take that first step before you take the, the next step. And if you know Christ this morning, might you... In 2017, looking in 2018, say, look at I, I, I've been struggling with living a hopeful life. But I want to turn the corner. And I want all of 2018 to be a, a year I pursue being a person that's marked as, as hopeful rather than hopeless. Let's pray together. Well, I pray for anyone this morning that, that is missing out what God offers them which is a settled future because of what Jesus has done in the past. If they don't know you, I just, I just plead with them to take that step and say, Dear Jesus, I want to know you. Fill me with your love. Forgive me of my sin. And fill me with your hope. And when we pray that and really mean it, then you'll answer that prayer. And then, Father, I pray for us individually and as a church that we might be hopeful people, full of hope. And there are many trying challenges and heartaches and pains that people have gone through recently and over the last number of years. But, Father, you are able to do the miraculous. And you can give 
hope where right now there is no hope. You can give that which will sustain people with a conviction that you're with them and that you can give them joy in the midst of challenge and trial. And they can demonstrate to a world that has lost a sense of anything being under God's control that, that their life and their circumstances and the people they care about is under your control. And because of that, we can be filled with the expectant, expectancy of our future is going to be so much better than our past. Will you look forward to that day in which we will see your glory and participate in it? And we praise in Christ's name. Amen.